<laughs> Welcome to Blacktop Pulpit Life Reformed. I am the pastor of the church at Sunsites. My name is Andrew, and here with me is one of our church members, Ken Duffy. And uh, we are going to today talk about the five solas. Uh, remember to check out the church at sunsites.com. Check out all of our uh, material that we put out for your good, for the good of our community and uh, and consider donating to the church at sunsite so we can continue our work in the long term well ken brother what are, what are the five solas why are the five solas how are the five solas <laughs> oh man you kept going so, so that opened up a, a bigger can than i realized so <laughs> yeah. okay the, the the five solas uh man let's what are the five solas? The, the 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 what of the five solas would be the sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, solus Christus, and soli deo gloria. Um, are you looking at your notes, or did you it, just remember all those? Oh no, I I definitely <laughs> look at my notes. So so this is this is a a joke that I've I've said a couple times. It's half hearted. I have you know my tattoo on my arm. Of the five solas. Oh yeah, and, uh, and I, I joke yeah, right like it's it's front and center. Um, <laughs> I joke about it, you know, being there to remind me. Um, it's it's a half truth. I don't think I would necessarily forget the five solas, but right. but it is our nature to forget, right? So yeah. so I have them front and center, and and I reference them especially because I would definitely get them out of order. So <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's funny too. You have those guys who like uh, they think they're all that because. Oh, I have the whole Bible memorized, but then their doctrine is like atrocious. So maybe they need a tattoo with scripture on it. I don't <laughs> Just stick with reciting the Bible and you're good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't go past it. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, it really, I mean, it, it encompasses um, the, the need for the soul is, and, and, and the theology like that because we are a people that forget and, mm-hmm. and, the, the the generation that these principles came out of was a generation. I mean, leading generations leading up to just utter forgetfulness of what doctrine is and who Christ is and yeah. the nature of God. You know, yeah. so. and, and such is the state of I think the United States right now. Um, it's certainly the case. Mm-hmm. Certainly the case here in our valley. Uh, of course, you on Sundays you drive all the way here to uh, Pierce, Arizona from from Douglas uh, to participate with the saints here, with the body of Christ here and to, to covenant with this community. Um, does it seem to be that way in Douglas as well? Have there just been this, this forgetting of, of the sound truth yeah. of the gospel? Yeah. So the, the drive uh, is, is nothing for the value and the joy of being able to fellowship with a people that, know the Lord that know his scripture, uh, and that are faithful to it, mm-hmm. um, battling in areas where the, the, the unfaithfulness and the forgetfulness has saturated the culture is tiring. Mm-hmm. It is overwhelmingly tiring. Um, there was, there was a, a quote I actually, I wrote down, that uh, it says those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it, which we know, right? And, and the yeah. comic that was written especially says, this year, we know yeah. it especially this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's th- those who don't know, don't study history, are doomed to repeat it. 
Yet those who do study history are doomed to stand by helplessly while everyone else repeats it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's no joke. Like, um, you know, I I sit here, you know, not being like this great academic or anything, but if you read books, a few books even, when it comes to church history, you can really ascertain uh, a great amount of knowledge about the history of the church. Yeah. And in my context, I see it repeating all over again. Mm-hmm. And and it's heartbreaking because um, you see that's not just theologically, but with other areas of life as well. But with the church, man, it's if, if people realized the heartache and the suffering and the persecution that people went through to bring us back to the, the scriptures, the authority of God yeah. and not man, they would they would be much quicker to, I think, um, to abandon the heresy that they're jumping back into so quickly. And it doesn't seem to matter uh, to most many people these days, too, which is sad, too. Well, and that brings us, like, to the how of the the five solas. Like, these these are the foundational doctrinal statements, um, principles. They're more like principles, but I'm, I'm willing to say they're doctrinal statements, you know. Um, the foundational doctrinal statements of a reformed church. Uh, it's these five statements. This is why I always want to be part of a reformed community of believers and, and a community that's openly reformed in its theology, in its practice, uh, in its ecclesiology. Um, that's why I always want to be part of a, a reformed community of, of faith. Uh, a monk, Augustinian monk, monk, a monk of the preaching order, <laughs> um, Martin yeah. Luther, He was ravaged by his own sin and of Rome's preaching uh, that you had to basically, basically you had to earn your righteousness. You had to be a righteous person. Mm -hmm. And he would, he would do penance. Uh, He would do penance by beating his flesh and he would cry out to God and he, he would anguish over every every little sin <laughs> and his 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 uh his priest would tell him or or the head monk of the order would would <laughs> would tell him stop obsessing over those sins go out and commit a real sin and then come back and confess your sin <laughs> and, <laughs> but but he would obsess over it um because because the preaching of rome damned him to the pits of hell every time he every time he sinned and um martin luther um he began translating the scriptures into German. He began reading the scriptures for himself. And he realized that much of what Rome was teaching was not what the Bible was teaching. This was my experience growing up in church. Uh, much of what I heard the church teaching, I didn't see it in the Bible. Um, the Bible was telling a different story than the church was, and that was and that was a problem. Uh, so Martin Luther penned 95 Theses. Uh, our elder in training, Steve Faccio, he talked about this a couple Sundays ago, uh, just gave a basic history of, of Thanksgiving and, and the Puritans and the tradition that they came out of, which was a really nice, uh, really nice reminder for all of us. And he mentioned the 95 Theses, and, and they, we even set out copies of the 95 Theses for church members to take. And uh, Martin Luther penned these 95 Theses, and he nailed them to the doors of Castle Church in Wittenberg. <laughs> and... And some, you know, we would call them college students, some, some young zealous college students got a hold of them and made sure they were published and copied and distributed. Mm. And, 
and it set the world on fire and we call that the protestant reformation and that's the tradition that the five solas come out of so yeah uh, absolutely relevant to our own times because in especially in the united states we're we're about in the same place rome was there in 1517 right yeah and i also think like it's it's interesting to notate that that Martin Luther, he wasn't uh, some troublemaker that wanted to come in and cause all kinds of problems in the Catholic Church. Yeah, like he he, he was just reading and started having uh, these these questions arise. And like, listen, there's some issues here that we got to hash out. You know, this isn't like going in to divide. This isn't going in to cause all kinds of problems. This is like saying, like we we treasure God's word mm-hmm. and we need to we need to be faithful to it and and let's figure things out together. Yeah. And man, yeah. was that, then there comes the division, right? Yeah. The, the, the supernatural reality of, of, of Jesus coming to divide with a sword um, wasn't Martin Luther doing it. It was God's word doing it. And that's yeah. what just naturally took place. Too. Well, there's a reason Jesus refers to his word as the sword. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. There's a reason Paul refers to, yeah. to the Bible as the sword and, and John in the book of Revelation describes the word coming out of Jesus's mouth as a double-edged sword. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. It, you know, I I even think um, you know as far as like always reforming, right? Like you'd probably pronounce it better than me. What is it, semper reformanda? That's it, man. That's perfect. Yeah. It, all right. So um, the idea that something so big came out of something—I don't want to say small more simple than what developed right um indulgences are are horrid practice um but it was the simple idea that that really just birthed like generations of change Mm -hmm. and i think like today as we look at the the repetition of history happening It would just take something like that. I mean, it, again, you don't need to be a troublemaker in your church. You right. need to be somebody who loves the Lord, who loves his word, and brings truths that are not being practiced to light. And yeah. be like, listen, we need to talk about these things. And, right. and you know, I think I think that type of thing could just re, restart, reignite a, another, or continued even, because the Reformation hasn't Yeah, ended. it doesn't end. Right. Uh, so let's continue it in that way by <laughs> being right. faithful to Scripture and, yeah. and keep that torch going yeah. instead of dropping it and kind of sit down watching some YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Scripture speaks pretty heavily against um, people just being cynical about the world. Um, scripture spree- speaks pretty heavily. And I was there. I can talk about this because I, I've been convicted about this, right? I was there. I was the cynical Christian. I was the Christian that would condemn the world until... The doctrines of grace, you know, came and grabbed me like, like, like a hound of heaven, and uh, and dragged me to the feet of the cross and made me realize that I, oh, I'm the sinner that I've been condemning all along. Thank you, Lord, for your right. grace. You know, I was like, oh my gosh. So, yeah, it's uh, we shouldn't be cynical uh, toward the world, and too many Christians are. That's just a bad way to represent Christ. Uh, it doesn't represent Christ at all. Christ has compassion for the world. He's not cynical toward the world. Um, mm-hmm. One. So the church is here for the good of the community. The church at Sunsites is here for the good of the valley and, and the good of the surrounding areas and, and the good of cities as far as Douglas and, and Tucson and our state of Arizona and the United States and the world as a whole. We're here for that. We're here to bring healing and forgiveness to the world. Um, Amen. 
So we can't be cynical. Cynical. The scriptures also speak really heavily against like pugnaciousness. And so this is like a stereotypical Christian um, interacts with other people on Facebook. <laughs> right? Or on uh-oh. any... On it, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's like we talk about love and forgiveness in the church and all of a sudden we're just being pugnacious everywhere we go and, uh, and hating on everything of the world. Uh, there is a respectful way to bring up our concerns and a loving way to bring up our concerns that that's not pugnacious in nature. That's not pugnacious in character. And Martin Luther does this. This is, this brings us to the why of the 95 theses, right? And the why is just as relevant today as it was. Um, Martin Luther, he doesn't just come up bringing all of his grievances against the Roman Catholic church. No, he, he knows what the people are saying. He knows what people, how people are skeptical about Rome's system. And this isn't something that began with Martin Luther. But Martin Luther brings up, this is his 82nd thesis, such questions as the following. If the Pope has the power to forgive all sin, to give you indulgences, right? Why does the Pope not empty purgatory for the sake of holy love and for the sake of desperate souls that are there? If he redeems an infinite number of souls for the sake of miserable money <laughs> with which to build a church, the former reasons would be most just while the latter is most trivial. If the Pope can really forgive sin like that, why doesn't he just do it? Isn't that worth more than money? Why wouldn't he just do it out of love? And this is one of the questions that was present within the Roman Catholic system. Luther just exposed it. <laughs> right. And uh, these are the types of questions we need to be exposing in our own day, I think, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the five solas, sola scriptura, sola deo gloria, solus Christus, sola gratia, sola fide. You mentioned something about an, an order. Uh, I don't think order really matters because one necessarily invokes the other. So, <laughs> so, you know, uh, sure. so uh, we can talk about them in a different order if you want, but I think it's essential for us to start with sola scriptura. Um, what is this principle, this doctrine, and why did this doctrine come out of the Reformation, and why do we prize it so much as um, the church in general, the church of Jesus Christ, the universal church, the church Catholic, but not in the Roman Catholic sense, uh, and particularly as the local church at Sunsites. Why do we embrace Sola Scriptura? Well, I would say the, the, the driving force behind this principle is, uh, is a matter of authority, and I think an issue that that we could come to too quickly and, and, and is, is popular today is the idea that yes, scriptures are so authority, but then the then acting like we can't use things like creeds and confessions and, and things like that. So sola scriptura says the Bible alone has authority, um, not the Pope, for right. instance. Um, but a, an overzealous approach to Sola Scriptura would say, no creed but Christ, um, which is a creed, you know, yeah, that yeah, that's right. claim authority. So, if you want to know more that, about that, that uh, I recommend there's a message Vody Bakum preached about that. So just go look up Vody Bakum 
creeds, okay. and uh, you'll find that that's a nice little sermon. So, <laughs> awesome guy, yeah. So yeah, I mean the the, the importance of school, school scripture is 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 that's that's scripture alone mm. where our authority comes from. And if we have questions about life, death, and most importantly salvation, um, that is found in God's word, which we have available to the, today to read everyone can read there's no authority of interpretation yeah. um, that needs to go to the scripture and tell you what it says yeah and if you don't have a copy of the bible please drop by the church at sunsites and request one i will give one to you and if you don't live close enough to drop by the church send us a message and i will mail you one because it is uh, too important a word not to have it um what I mean, what's the point in living by scripture? We have a we have a whole world of people telling us that no, um, education alone, schooling alone. We have a whole world of people telling us that it's only through education, only through a school system, uh, only through on the job training, that we get everything we need for all of our life and uh, service to others in this world. And ministry just means service, so for all of life and ministry. Um, so just to bring mm. the doctrine of sola scriptura into real life, like what's the point? What's the vision there? Um, what, what's the promise if we do choose to live by scripture alone uh, as our authority for all of life and ministry rather than the philosophies, education systems, um, or or even the um, systems of uh, employment, corporation, or governments of people? What's the promise? What's the promise? Well, I, I, I would I begin by saying it's important to realize that uh, like many of those things that you mentioned are, are good. Mm, and sure. yeah. the, the problem with the, the education, as, you, as, you, as you'd say, uh, with the world or unbelievers is that uh, the Lord says that the fear of fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's it. So, yeah. so it's take all things captive to Christ that has a, it, it develops a proper education, a proper, proper knowledge and understanding of the universe, the world we live in, of how the governments are supposed to function, how education is supposed to be done. Because I mean, if you look at education, like, people study God's word their whole life and still mm. are trying to understand the depth of the riches that are present in it. Yeah. So, so educating is biblical. The, the way that um, we go about it is where we run into lots of problems mm. today um, because we take out fear of God, a godly fear, a good fear, mm. a righteous fear, and we institute a bunch of empty philosophies that lead ultimately to our destruction. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that means, like, from the Christian perspective, then, um, Sola Scriptura absolutely means that any education system, whether it's homeschooling or some form of public schooling or private schooling or, you know, even starting a classical Christian academy, you know, whatever, um, any education system needs to be built upon the words of Scripture and not the philosophies of people apart from Scripture. And that's what sola scripture means. And that doesn't mean you don't study philosophy. And that doesn't mean people don't do the hard work of thinking and developing 
logical arguments. That just means scripture is the foundation for all of that. Um, not, not the other way around, not trying to, you know, uh, Oh, I'm going to read the Bible now in light of Immanuel Kant. Um, no, you read Immanuel Kant in light of scripture, not the other way around. Um, yeah. Um, and the church of sunsides, we, we're dedicated to, to this. Of course, the promise there, um, a couple of weeks ago, I preached on, on the hope that we have in, in the Messiah. And that hope comes from primarily Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, uh, where Isaiah the prophet, uh, he's talking about um, all, all nations will be brought under the headship of God uh, through the Messiah. Uh, we know the Messiah to be Jesus Christ now. He says there will be no end to the increase of his government. And there will be no end to the increase of peace on the earth. And there will be no end to the increase of justice on the earth. Uh, that's the promise. And the question is asked, okay, well, how is God bringing the world to that point? And we receive our answer in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus gives his great commission. And he doesn't say, go out and wage war against the world. He doesn't say, go out and condemn the world. He doesn't say go out and make sure the world feels crappy about the way it's living. He says, no, uh, go go make disciples of all nations, teaching them what? To obey everything that I have commanded. Well, where is everything that Christ commanded? It's in the scriptures. So that is the primary, like when governments increase, when the government of Christ increases, it's, it's to be a government brought about by the teaching of his word alone, the teaching of his statutes, the teaching of his instructions, the teaching of his promises, um, the teaching about who he is and the work he is doing in our lives. And that through the preaching of scripture alone, that's how peace and justice are coming to the coming to the earth um that's a very real promise um something that christ is working out so we say uh okay well why why commit ourselves to preaching scripture alone why commit ourselves each week at, at least once a week the main the main gathering of believers on the lord's day on sunday why commit ourselves to go and hear the preaching of the word and to participate in as many bible studies as possible it's because that literally, it's not only the best thing you can do for yourself, it's the best thing you can be a part of for the whole world, because that's how peace and justice are coming to the world. And we devote ourselves to so many other things, but that's the only thing that's uh, worth prioritizing our time and money for, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the word is where the power of God is. And when we when we divert to anything else uh it's just a cheap substitution for something that we have that is rich and glorious and powerful uh what what an awesome thing to realize i mean you look at you look at missions you know going around the globe and proclaiming christ being faithful to, to jesus's mm -hmm. instruction to go and make disciples whether it's you know down the street or you know across the ocean and you could be anywhere uh, you could be in the darkest place on earth uh, there's no there's no pessimism allowed when it comes to <laughs> right. the realization of the power of God when you speak God's <laughs> word. Your personalism is showing. You... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> and really, how could you not be optimistic about that? I mean, let, let's even a hopeful word, right? A ho hopeful that when you speak 
God's words that he is going to either save or condemn through those words. Mm. Power, the real power. No, no cheap substitutes. No, no, no jumping off onto, you know, uh, uh, again, I don't want to sound like one of these overzealous people. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a, a good analogy or something to help people grab right. hold of uh, what's being taught. But we realize that the power, the authority, mm-hmm. the the effect, the effect that's going to take place in that person's life is going to come through the hearing of God's words and not ours and our creative tactics. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I'm optimistic for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, people don't realize, you know, people see church as, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this meeting and sing some songs and that's fun. I'm going to hear a guy preach and learn a little bit. Uh, and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to go home and that's cool. People don't realize that the church gathering, the gathering of the church on Sunday morning, the Lord's day, that's where all the power for all of life is and it is being given to the congregation through the elders of the church through the preaching of God's word and through the administering of the ordinances and through the and through the representative forgiving of sins right there's there's no power in me to forgive anybody's sin it all comes from Christ right um, but when we make that known it's like okay uh you you're here you say you're at church um, we're not just going to tell you something or preach at you. We're actually going to give you the goods, um, which is amazing. And I think churches have gotten away from that in in large part um, because they're they're more focused on being a, a, an organization based on entertainment rather than on actually administering grace to people, which is what the church is here for. Yeah, I mean the 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 average person uh, should be should be going to fellowship and gather with the saints on Sunday uh, with a, a an expectation mm. of a feast. Yeah, a feast of God's word presented by qualified people, qualified men that will will order and set up worship. And teaching and preaching in a way that builds the saint up, mm-hmm. and that saint goes out from that church gathering that day and and lives the week. And you should you should uh, you should be well fed and well prepared when you go out to to live a faithful and strong Christian life, mm-hmm. and then needing to come back that next yeah. Lord's Day to be fed once again. So this, uh, I think there's so many weary people today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so many weary people, and there are people who have been wearied by the church, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, churches shouldn't be wearying. This is a, this is a, a liberating organization placed here on earth by God for the purpose of forgiveness and grace and liberation from the bondage of sin, not to pile on the burdens of sin. Um, this last Sunday, right. And this last Sunday, I, uh, you know, stood up to uh, administer the the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, uh, which we will uh, begin in the new year uh, doing once a week, um, which is going to be nice. Fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. And 
And so after administering the ordinances, you know, we received the sermon. Thank you for presenting that amazing sermon. That was good. Uh, after hearing the sermon and then, uh, you know, being convicted of sin, and we have our time of confession, and uh, God promises uh, to be faithful in forgiving our sins if, if we are, you know, if we are repentant, if we, conf- if we simply confess them to him. Um, and then we observe communion, the Lord's Supper. Um, the the broken body of Jesus Christ and the spilled out blood for Jesus uh, of Jesus Christ for us, um, just reminding us uh, that hey, uh, Christ died for our good that that we would not have to suffer the consequences of the sins that we have just confessed. And then and then I stood up after communion, and uh, this is the first time I've done this uh, ever actually, and, and I and I did yep. it by accident. I was watching a sermon from. Uh, Doug Wilson, <laughs> just you know, one of one of his sermons, and uh, they have the they have the church service on there, and uh, they have one of their elders stand up at the end of every church service and go, "In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit, I, I now proclaim to you that your sins are forgiven. Go now in peace, and you know, change the world, something oh, wow. like that." Uh, so they do that at the end of every single worship service, and uh, it just came out of my mouth, and I was like, "Well, I didn't mean to say that." I, I, I want. <laughs> I wonder what people are going to say about that because that's not your typical Baptist church. You don't do that in a typical Baptist church. No, not. <laughs> so I was like wondering what what people were going to say. Sure enough, um, uh, yesterday uh, came into the office. <laughs> uh, all the ladies were coming in for ladies Bible study, and guess what? One of the major topics of discussion was during ladies Bible study. <laughs> does 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 the does the pastor really have authority to? to announce forgiveness from the pulpit, <laughs> like to actually tell people that their sins are forgiven. And so they, they did a Google search and they found an article on a Lutheran website, which is okay with me as long as it's a, a decent Lutheran. <laughs> you know? And uh, they found an article uh, explaining John chapter 20 verses 21 through 23, uh, which says uh, the whole church is, this is Jesus after his resurrection, uh, talking to the all of the disciples not only the apostles but the church the church that he is building it basically says the whole church is to proclaim the forgiveness of christ within the body and as we invite others to christ it's a responsibility he actually gives to the whole church there Um, and then the elders then have the responsibility to do this based on um the fact that they are Levites, uh, so the elders of the church are grafted into the tribe of Levi. Uh, essentially, we see that in Isaiah chapter sixty-six, verse twenty-one, where the prophet prophesies God is bringing people in from the nations, and God will make people Levites. He will place certain people, Gentiles, in the position of Levites in their own context. And Levites had the responsibility to administer the ordinances of the gospel and to proclaim the forgiveness of sins through the atoning sacrifices that were presented. Uh, and then in Acts 13, 38, 2 Corinthians 2, 10, Paul himself, the apostle, takes it upon himself to pronounce forgiveness of sins upon the community of faith. So it's something I hadn't really researched. It was just kind of a happy accident that <laughs> I did that. But then we started looking at scripture and it's like, oh yeah. And then this proves to me, and one of the ladies made the comment, see, we really do listen during church. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, you do. Um, but what I really, what what I really appreciate about this church is, they investigated in the scriptures before they say, "Oh, we've never done things that way." 
uh, and they prove it every time something right. is different. They go right to the scriptures and they investigate the scriptures. And we see, oh, that's actually what God has instructed the whole church to do. That's the whole point of the gospel message is for the church to effectively proclaim forgiveness to people, to the nations. Um, and for the elders of the church to proclaim every time the church meets to proclaim forgiveness um, administer forgiveness in a very real way. Again, we're not just preaching at people. We don't just want you to come listen to an entertaining service. Right. Uh, we want come and get the goods. Come and get the forgiveness that Christ offers, because that's what He wants us to do. You know, sorry, I, that took a lot of time, more time than I expected, but just a little illustration there about sola scripture and why it's important. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love I love the fact that uh, something that is slightly unordinary would would uh, captivate somebody's mind. Like, what was that? You know, and, and yeah. that's exactly what we should be doing. That's, mm-hmm. that's that is one of the marks of a a reformed believer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you, you, you're testing you're testing what you hear and, and you're that's testing right. it against scripture. You know, does the Bible say that this is good and right? Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't traditional for us. Uh, should it be? Um, you know, what I hear is, is that is that something we should be practicing and doing? And yeah, that's that's one of the, the, the many aspects of this body, this local body of believers that I appreciate so much. It's like I said, so refreshing uh, as opposed to to fighting, um, not I mean not literally, but as as we've been discussing, bringing forth God's word mm. in a way that conquers, and it's a that's a it's a laborious task. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a refreshing and, and God honoring place to be for sure. Yeah, yeah, and we, I mean that's what Martin Luther did, right? Uh, and here, sure me, uh, I read a couple more of these, and then we'll talk about the the other four. Um, Solas uh, in a in a timely manner, I imagine. Sola scripture is just so important to grasp because once we accept sola scripture, we have to accept the other four. Uh, Martin Luther, thesis number seventy one, and some of these are a little surprising. Let him who speaks against the truth of papal pardons be anathema and a curse. So there, he actually affirmed that the Pope should be pardoning people. Uh, he recognized the authority that had been passed down in the Scriptures. Um, this is how we know that Martin Luther didn't begin as this bull-headed, you know, uh, guy in a china shop like we normally think of him. No, he he wants reasonable conversation. So there, he recognizes that yeah, of course, the Pope has this kind of authority to to issue the pardons of Christ. Seventy-two. But let him who guards against the lust and license of pardon preachers be blessed so yeah um proclaim the forgiveness of christ on the people but don't abuse it uh, if you guard against abusing that teaching and that authority uh, blessed are you uh, the pope justly thunders against those who here he compliments the pope he justly thunders against those who by any means contrive harm to the traffic of pardons it's like there should be no limitation to the free traffic of pardons in the church and martin luther recognized this 74 but much more does he intend to thunder against those who use the pretext of pardons to contrive injury to holy love and truth, and instead using the issuing of pardons as a means to gain financially. So here is where Martin Luther said, yeah, that comes from a good place in Scripture, 
but they're abusing it instead of doing it out of motivation of love and truth. And instead of doing it in a way that's unlimited, they're limiting mm -hmm. it and they're only giving it to people who pay them money. Now there's a problem to consider the papal pardon so great that they could absolve a man, even if he had committed an impossible sin and violated the mother of God is madness. So the Pope himself doesn't actually have the authority. Um, if he doesn't have the authority, he can't tell you who doesn't get it, right? We say, on the mm. contrary, that the papal pardons are not able to remove the very least of venial sins so far as its guilt is concerned, which means the only authority the Pope has is to communicate the forgiveness of Christ, not his own forgiveness. He doesn't control the flow of forgiveness, but he does have the responsibility to proclaim forgiveness to the saints. We say... On the contrary, just read that one. It is said that even St. Peter, if he were now Pope, could not bestow greater graces. This is blasphemy against St. Peter and against the Pope. We say on the contrary that even the present Pope and any Pope at all has greater graces at his disposal. Namely, the gospel, the real power of forgiveness, powers, gifts of healings, and etc. as it is written in 1 Corinthians 12. So Martin Luther said, the Pope has great power according to Scripture, but he's not using any of it. Instead, he's just selfish and trying to get money in order to build bigger churches. Um, let the church beware. Let us look back to Scripture as Luther did. All right, let's talk about these other four uh, solas. Or solis, or soluses. <laughs> Sole. Oh, the sole. Like That's, That's the plural. All right. <laughs> That's the Latin plural. The English plural is solas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Language is just a social construct anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, a good way to just be able to say whatever we want. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. This is word. Just like when I was playing Scrabble with my wife last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I went over to a church member's house and played chess. Uh, the other day, and uh, actually is not a church member yet, uh, but uh, hopefully will be soon. But um, went over there to play chess, and uh, he was he was playing with a certain set of rules, and I was playing with a completely different set of rules, and we didn't realize it at first. <laughs> uh, it's not like something crazy. It, I was defending my queen instead of my king, um, <laughs> and so you know the king is right. the one you want to get. That's the one you want to kill in chess. And I was, it had been so long since I played chess that I was defending my queen as if the queen was who I needed to defend. Um, so <laughs> we, got, we got about halfway through the game and he mentioned something about it. And I was like, oh. So I had to like change my whole plan. I was like trying to think 10 moves ahead and all that and like really plan out my game. Off or not. So that just proves how short-sighted we are as people. <laughs> Uh, I won anyway. So just to make that known, I won anyway. I think we find awesome. I think we find these other four solas uh, or sole uh, summed up in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. And these few verses just get at all of these all of these solas. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So that's Sola gratia, sola fide, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works. So, so that no one can boast would be soli deo gloria. God's the one who receives glory, not us, because we can't boast. He's the one who gets to boast in his own work. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, not in our own nature anymore, but, but in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. And there we get the solus, solus Christus. So we got glory of God alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. All, all right there in just those few verses. I think you're breaking your own rules by going ahead there and, and jumping to the rest of the solas there, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, what do I mean? <laughs> please, no. please elaborate. No, just <laughs> yeah. Like, we're going to talk about sola fide now. And look at grace alone and Christ alone for God's glory alone is all here. But no, I totally understand you. And I, I, I totally, totally acknowledge that, that, that beautiful scripture that you read, um, that, that, that faith alone, um, the idea of, of, of adding anything for, for justification is, is repulsive. Yeah. Um, this, this, this idea of, of contributing to our salvation or, or getting into some type of agreement with God that uh, hinges on us in any way whatsoever. Um, it, it, it really is uh, heretical uh, every, every bit of it. Uh, we, we don't, we don't contribute to our salvation. And that's, that's the heralding principle of, of faith alone. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it seems like, again, when we talk about, uh, sometimes there being a repetitious cycle in areas where you forget, uh, we fall back into the idea where, well, if you just do this or say this thing, um, you, you can be you can be in in a type of partnership with God that mm-hmm. brings about your salvation. You have to do something to accomplish it. And thanks be to God that we don't have to do anything thing to save ourselves that uh, salvation belongs to god and god alone and and if we were responsible for it which god has proven mm-hmm. time and time again we would fail uh, yeah. i i think uh one of what well, I, I believe correct me if i wrong if i'm wrong that's one of my favorite quotes from john carther uh if, if you can lose your salvation you would. You would. I'm, I'm sure John MacArthur uh, did say that. Uh, I am also sure R.C. Sproul said that. I am also sure a bunch of other people have said that. <laughs> and, maybe, maybe not originated from him. I, I heard yeah. it from him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's and it's and it's so good. It ought to be repeated, right? Um, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be, be, that the, the scripture you read uh, about faith coming from from God is is I mean that's one of those very clear areas that we see that it, it doesn't it doesn't originate in us. Yeah. Uh, we are saved by grace through faith, and faith comes from God, and and it, and it comes at the the amount that He determines. Uh, yeah. Whatever he has purposed for your life, you know there there are just so many different types of people in different situations and different contexts throughout history 
what's God's purpose and plan for your life? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's dependent on the, the amount of, of faith and strength that you have to accomplish the things that he has purposed in your life. Are, are you going to be the next Martin Luther that faces <laughs> the types of persecution and suffering that, you know, that, that, that people like that did? Or are you going to, you're going to be a, a faithful and, and quiet house wife that educates her children, mm-hmm. um, which, man, some, some would say I need more faith than Martin Luther did in those circumstances to raise my kids. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> that, that's God's, God's plan for each person, and he, his, his grace is sufficient, and the faith he assigns is, is what, what is good and right for our lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and people don't realize, like, um, they'll say, they'll say, uh, crazy stuff like uh, we don't we don't need we don't need theology or doctrine we just need to learn how to love um, which is itself a, mm-hmm. a doctrinal statement right that's getting at theology yep. um, but people say we don't really need we don't really need uh, to teach so much in church we just need to learn how to how to love one another people don't realize that all of scripture testifies to the fact that all of that comes through making disciples, uh, peace on earth, justice on the earth. It comes through the making of disciples, through the teaching of everything that Christ has instructed uh, in his word, Old and New Testaments. I believe Christ was speaking both of those testaments uh, through through the prophets, through Moses, through the prophets, um, through through the gospel writers, and through the epistle writers, and uh, you know those weird books that can't be uh, don't really fit neatly into <laughs> into one of the broader genres, uh, Acts and <laughs> Revelation. You know, um, of course, Acts I think actually qualifies as part of Luke's gospel narrative. So maybe just Revelation is kind of <laughs> weird. <laughs> so, you know, that apocalyptic, the <laughs> New Testament prophetic apocalyptic epistle, whatever it is. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's like all of that, knowing that, learning that, uh, getting at what the apostles were getting at and getting at what the prophets were getting at, that's how peace and justice powerfully come to this earth in a in a peaceful way, uh, not in a way that's wrought with violence. And where there is violence and where there's violent reactions against the gospel, that's people reacting against the gospel of peace. That's It's not, it's not God saying, okay, I'm going to do... I'm just going to slaughter people now. It's it's people reacting against the gospel and earning their earning their just punishment. You know, um, people don't realize that when we talk about doctrine, when we talk about theology, um, that necessarily applies to the way we raise our children, bring peace and justice, beginning with our households, to the way we raise our children, to the way we apply ourselves in the workplace, to the work ethic that we have and experiencing joy and contentment in our work, not working as if it's a means to an end, but just enjoying the the amazing work that God gives us. Um, The way that we participate in civil affairs, in governmental affairs, the way that we vote, um, all of that comes from what we believe about God, the way we manage our household budgets and the way we relate to our our spouses, or the way that we embrace singleness, if that's what you know people are called to. This applies to the way we do church practically. This applies to the way we practice generosity, give of the material wealth that God has given us to steward. And there are an infinite number of applications. Like when we talk about doctrine, theology, when we talk about the, the five solas, uh, when we're preaching on Sunday morning, 
that is the power for all of life and everything that we do. That's where it's at. And that's why we invest so much time and money in doing that. We really believe that's where the power of all of life and ministry and ministry is. Uh, this is the point, I think, of the blacktop pulpit This <laughs> by the church at Sunsides. <laughs> this, uh, this podcast that, that we're starting to do for the good of our membership and for the good of our community and, and world. Um, our purpose as a church is to glorify Christ. Our mission is to expand Christ's kingdom. And the vision that I really want to begin sharing is this. We really want to see peace and justice come. We want to see it overtake our valley. Uh, we want to see it overtake the world. We, we, we want to see the saints living with Christ forever beginning now. Um, not, and we want to see joy, the joy that comes with that now, and the contentment that comes with that now, and the, and the rebuilding of family relationships that comes with that now, uh, and the lessening of anxiety and, and depression. We want to see that all come now with, with great power, and that only comes through the preaching of the gospel. And uh, through our involvement with the saints in a in a healthy local church, you know. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, um, you know, as far as relationships and and, and gospel prosperity and, and the idea of forgiveness and loving each other well, uh, biblically, uh, forgiveness is at the root of of, of all that. I mean, oh, when you look yeah. at look at the power of forgiving even each other and the offenses, look at Look at the destruction and the chaos that can ravage parts of the world. Uh, what's what's at the root of that? It's it's unforgiveness, mm-hmm. and like like God is so serious about our forgiving each other that we read passages that talk about like if you don't forgive your brother, your father's not going to forgive you. That that has huge implications mm-hmm. um, in both ways. You know, from from a forgiveness standpoint, um, it heals it builds up it it Mm -hmm. it prospers a people whether it's your family which man do we practice forgiveness seriously in this house and that's one of the great things about being a dad five kids and and a husband (laughs) of a a wife of near 15 years you know like forgiveness i need it more than they do most of the time um but but that there's so much power in that that because especially coming from a a man you know we, we like to you know we have a tendency to be um maybe less, less, uh, we're more prideful. I'll just say, you know, we have a tendency to be more prideful a lot of times, especially when you're a dad in the home and you have authority, you are given authority (laughs) by God in your home. You you offend and do wrong against like one of your kids. Like it's, it's a humbling reality to like get down and say, you know, I'm sorry for wronging you. And here's your little daughter or son, like who you have authority over Mm. and you're the one going for forgiveness yeah. and then to see the power in that is is something that is just um and even just in the home uh is, is such a magnificent practice that builds each other up in ways that that uh, are, are profound that's, that's the only word off you know right right off the bat that i can think of it it's, it's just amazing what forgiveness does in the home and governments and world governments and and we we are the the proclaimers of that and, yeah. and that the greatest reality of that is, is our being forgiveness. We are to proclaim as you say that the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy in a sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon he ever preached. Uh, people don't get it. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he taught about prayer. Pray, pray like this. This is a disciple's prayer. 
Um, and you look to like the Didache, uh, the teaching of the Twelve Apostles, uh, which I can pretty confidently be dated to about the 60s A.D. Um, the Didache, which is not scripture, but it says pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and talking right. about the disciples' prayer there. And, uh, and the disciples' prayer begins by saying, uh, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the next line. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then after Jesus finishes this, this prayer, he says, And if you don't forgive, neither will God forgive you. Like forgiveness is the mechanism by which the kingdom comes to earth. That The teaching about forgiveness, the administering of forgiveness, the, the, the practical pouring out of forgiveness in the, in the lives of the local church, that's how God's kingdom is coming to earth. That's how his will is being done on the earth, and people don't realize that. Um, it's, it, it really is all about forgiveness. It's kind of a beautiful thing, for sure. Brother, you have anything else? Amen. Is that a no, but I'm thinking uh, about it I just could, to make sure? I think I can think about it. I... <laughs> I always have more things I could talk about. We'll, we'll say that, but no, on, on topic with today, I, have, you know, I think we've, you know, it's been a... Cool. Yeah, well, we will, I think we'll have time through this series of podcasts. I, maybe it'll go well enough um, for us to just, even after we finish, like, talking about a tulip, um, the doctrines of grace, uh, maybe we'll just continue doing it and mm. we'll, like, like, do a series, uh, uh, make it a continuing series uh, based on whatever theological truth was presented in the sermon uh, on Sunday and just kind of build off of that. Um, so that'd be cool to do. It's something I'm kind of mulling around if we want to continue doing this after we finish doing the, the Doctrines of Grace. Uh, listeners, uh, family, friends, um, Pierce, Arizona, uh, Sulphur Springs Valley, the state of Arizona, the United States and the world, thank you so much for joining us this first episode of Blacktop Pulpit by the Church at Sunsites. Please head over to the church at sunsites.com. Check out all the cool stuff. Watch all the cool sermons. Look at all the cool announcements and hit that really cool donate button <laughs> so that uh, so that we can continue doing ministry and, uh, and serving the valley and, and our world for the glory of God and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us.